Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everyone, Stephen Ray Morris here with a quick update at the top of this episode that was supposed to come out a while ago, but I just want to say happy belated birthday to Luce Tomlin-Brenner, my guest on today's episode. It's super fun, super rad. I have been sick for a long time, so I'm so glad that I finally get to let this one come out. It was her birthday last week, so be sure to give her a belated happy birthday wish and go listen to her podcast. It's always Halloween because it's always Halloween. It doesn't matter if we're getting into the holidays, Christmas holidays, I should say. There's always It's always a good time to watch Jurassic Park, and it's always a good time for Halloween. So, uh, yeah, I love this episode. I love Luce. She's the best. Uh, enjoy this episode. One, two, three, four. Filled with odd fright See Jurassic right Bathed in ember light See Jurassic right See Jurassic right Right, right, see I revisited some really funny scenes. Some scenes where I'm like, man, this is what I love about this franchise so much. I mean, I'll talk about that on the okay. air, but just like, it's so fulfilling to watch these people get desiccated. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the perfect place to begin. You know her, you love her. Since the last time we talked, she has a great new podcast called It's Always Halloween. It's Luce Tomlin Brenner. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so (laughs) much for having me. I don't know. I don't know why I got so formal. We literally talk all the time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I was just texting you Hello, this morning. Hello, uh, <laughs> No, I'm. I it's. I hope that we can just make this a Halloween tradition from now on. Oh, absolutely! I'm always looking for more Halloween traditions. I have to start <laughs> celebrating in August now, so I can fit them all in. But that's more than wonderful for me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you literally started a podcast about Halloween. Yeah, because <laughs> I was meantime. like. Yeah, it's an all year round Halloween podcast because August wasn't enough for me. Like this year, I actually started planning in July. And now that it's like almost Halloween, I'm like, man, there are a thousand things I didn't get to do this year. So yeah, I, I was going to say it's that <laughs> we're recording this on the 25th. I'm like, were you able to fit in all the topics? No, I, mean, I imagine not. That's why it has to be a year round. No, I, there were like episodes where I was like, well, we'll get to this next week. And then I just never <laughs> got to it only because there's so many things to discuss. And I get so excited that like I kind of have to just go where <laughs> the muse takes me. <laughs> Did you I forget you had this. Idea, I feel like I feel like at least you, you told me that, about this idea. Was it even before last year when we did uh, the top five or top ten? What was it? Top five scariest Jurassic moments. That w- That's what we did last Halloween. Yeah, I think it was around there. I have this memory of um, us having lunch together and you like gave me a tour of Exactly Right. And then oh, yeah. you were like, How, what are you working on? And then I ran this idea by you and you were like, oh, my God, you have to do that. I literally. So, yeah. If, if uh, Tony Thaxton could have a Christmas podcast all year round, <laughs> certainly there's enough topics for Halloween that you could do it. Well, see, and that's exactly it. It's not just that it's is a Halloween history podcast, yeah. but it's not just all the basics, all the totems of Halloween, even though I cover, you know, trick or treating and costumes and parties, jack-o'-lanterns. They're every scary thing uh, that everything we use for Halloween, bats, witches, graveyards, like there's history associated with all of that. And all the scary images we know are connected to Halloween in some way. But like, why we have this like huge (laughs) like lineage of symbolism and i just think it's all really fascinating and i love being scared and i love all of the you know accessories and visuals that go with halloween and i want to know how it all became one so i'm basically picking apart every single aspect of halloween and doing a deep dive episode on each thing yeah, I mean, you even do how Halloween came to the U.S., Victorian Halloween parties and stuff. So it's like, oh, yeah, all yeah. Through, we go all the way back to uh, 1200 BCE. <laughs> so <laughs> the true. Yeah, <laughs> it's been around. I mean, thousands of years. Plus, I've been exploring festivals of the dead similar to Halloween that are celebrated all over the world. So like Egypt has a celebration that may be the first Halloween-esque celebration ever that started over 3,000 years ago. So it's really interesting to learn about how every culture honors their dead and celebrates their dead and how that kind of connects us through every single culture and time period. And like, wait, is Halloween the most uniting force in this world? (laughs) I think it is. Yeah. nobody. Well, I feel like that's probably why, yeah, I mean, Halloween just gets celebrated longer and longer every year. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, definitely capitalism helps with that. Everyone wants to start selling things at Target in July. So many plastic skeletons. I know. I can't. I've bought, I have a whole tub full of skeletons. That's just my skeleton tub now. (laughs) What's really funny to me is that of all, because the amount of plastic skeletons of all different creatures has increased every year. Yes. 
the only one that's actually accurate is the dinosaurs because cats they have like skeleton ears. ears which doesn't make any sense and spiders it's like wait spiders are invert or uh yeah they're invertebrates they don't yes have they don't have a skeleton that's the whole point yes snakes also there's so many like bunny skeletons and um bats you're like these are all the, the oh, wings so much cartilage yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's cartilage, my friends. So I appreciate them because they look cool. But yes, as like a little Lisa Simpson know-it-all, I can't help but be <laughs> like, mm, this is inaccurate. <laughs> um, and it's funny because, I mean, we probably talked a little bit of last year, but I mean, you know, I think a lot of people consider Jurassic. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily consider Jurassic Park a horror movie, I mean, if, but like, you know, it has horror elements for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's horrific in that it's a creature feature. It's a monster movie. Like... Uh, I would rank this, I would rank Jurassic Park along the, like, when nature attacks type films, <laughs> you know, like Jaws or Piranha or Alligator. It's very much in that world. Plus, it's got that cool sci-fi element to it, too. Yeah. So it's because it's Steven Spielberg. I think people tend to not think of it as a horror movie. But Steven Spielberg, again, brought us Jaws, one of the greatest horror movies of all time. And like Jaws, it does that really incredible thing of horror in the daylight. And like it doesn't have to be dark for it to be blood soaked, which I really like a lot. Yeah, well, and it, it um, uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I guess maybe in a way it does, it should be counted as. I mean, there's no reason that things can't be put in multiple, you know, lists or categories. But exactly. I think, may, but maybe just for my own sake, right now, just thinking about it, talking to you, it's like, well, if a horror element is something that stays with people, isn't that enough for it to count, you know? Well, and it is scary. Like, it's yeah. hard now because we've all seen, well, you and I specifically have also seen these movies so many times. But in general, people have seen at least the first Jurassic Park countless times. But if you can go back and imagine the first time that you saw it, I mean, one of the reasons I love it so much is because that visceral experience of seeing it in the drive-in as a child and how fucking scared I was is like lives in me like I remember everything about that night because of how scary it was and I hadn't seen anything like it at that age and I mean you know um Samuel L. Jackson's arm getting torn off I mean that <laughs> fucked me up as a kid like that's scary so it, in that way it's definitely a horror movie and many movies are you know cross genres so I don't think that just because it's like not you know, not 100% like supernatural or demonic or it's not constant bloodshed. That's not necessarily what makes a horror movie. It's just, is it suspenseful? Is it terrifying? Are you, you know, worried about something happening? Like, Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I feel like my conception of it was maybe a little bit more narrow because it's like, it's not, it's not, like, there's not like the ending where like the creature's like, you know, I'm back, baby, and then eats like the helicopter or something like. <laughs> but that, my, I think my conception of that maybe was a little bit more narrow. I guess now that I think. Well, I'm constantly trying to get people to have a broader scope of horror movies because die-hard horror fans are such gatekeepers about what counts as horror. So much so that they don't even think PG-13 horror movies are good. You know, <laughs> or if it's too artistic, like The Lighthouse or The Witch, like. Same director, but like movies that are like that, uh, let the right one in something that's more artistic than, say, violent. All of a sudden, it's not a horror movie, but violence doesn't necessarily make something horrific. It's one aspect of a horrific experience. Oh, yeah. um, and I think suspense has so much to do with it. And it's anything that's like a little fantastical, essentially, is like 
outside of the norms. Otherwise, just like shitty things that happen that are horrific. <laughs> that's like a drama. <laughs> that's the news, baby. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. my Twitter timeline. I don't know. Yes, exactly. So like this is heightened enough. Like this is a fantastical idea, which, you know, again, science fiction horror. You know, you think about aliens. Mm -hmm. That's a horror movie, but it's also science fiction. Yeah. You know, it just makes me think for next year. We could rank all the Jurassic films and which ones feel the most horror overall, mm. just for our own. Yeah. Own, of like, oh, like what's more horror, like Lost World or the original Jurassic Park or. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, they try to outdo themselves by showing a little more violence in each one. Yeah. But like Jurassic Park 3 is like a black comedy. So I wouldn't say that the horror in it is suspenseful because of some element there's like some comedy in the way that it's shown almost in a way if that absolutely. makes sense absolutely i totally agree yeah there's and there's i was reliving a few scenes from the last two movies and i was like damn this is intense like there are yeah. some really scary parts and you and i talked about this when we talked about fallen kingdom was that two years ago now uh when oh, yeah, we saw yeah. it together and we did a see jurassic right episode about it like Man, is it scary. There's some really interesting, like, gothic horror moments and some really interesting, like, creature feature, like, man against beast moments. Like, I think, yeah. I mean, I know this isn't the episode we're doing, but I would almost put Fallen Kingdom as, like, the scariest one. Well, um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess we should just dive in, which is um, to our list, because this this time I wanted to do, it's funny, I first thought about doing the most like the goriest scenes in Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. But I, I kind of feel like there's not as much there because at least in my in my mind, there's not as much like literal bloodshed in Jurassic Park. It's much of the violence is much more implied. And so to me that felt like more fertile ground. You know, there there's more options. Cause yeah, it's yes. like you see Ray Arnold, you know, his arm or whatever, but it's like, it's not like you see, I don't what know. What happened to I, him. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see the moments of like, you know, somebody getting their skull bashed in or whatever. No, which I honestly think would just take away from it. Steven Spielberg knows that in some cases, what you don't see is scarier than what you see. Oh, totally. And he's just like the master of, you know, implication of like just looking at the water and being like, there is something and that and now I'm scared <laughs> of water. Um, and he does that in so many really cool scenes. We're just seeing the rattle of a bush. It absolutely just fills you with dread. And that's incredible. So <laughs> all of that. Yeah. If we're just going for gory, gory is not always scary. It's yeah. gross. You know, it can create a visceral reaction, but Sometimes it doesn't necessarily have that same reaction of just like, oh, no, something's yeah. coming. <laughs> well, I think that's why, I, yeah, I ended up settling on most violent because to me, and I think our definitions will probably differ slightly, but for me, violence was in a way like almost like a combination of scary and gory where it's like mm -hmm. or not even a combination of the two but it's like it's almost like this idea where there's like an implied suffering which to yes. me Im Im or implied suffering to me makes things violent like you know yes. if you know if somebody like you know uh carter from lost world gets stepped on by the by <laughs> by the t-rex so it's like one and done he's gone so it's like well you know like i don't i don't have to dwell on that you know mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I totally agree. There's um, a level of uh, a lot of the ones that I've picked are people who like maybe aren't killed in the first go. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) that's like there's so many scenes where you're like, oh, no, this is so intense. And so I kind of was thinking about it like that as well. And like maybe we don't see the violence, but like what we can imagine is happening from the noises is pretty violent. Yes. Oh, 100 percent. A lot of good noises in the Jurassic series. Lots of like chomping and gurgling and bubbling. Crunching. Oh, lots of bones to crunch. (laughs) Yeah, there's some good. I mean, to me, I this is a runner up. I'll just say right now. But the the first scene that's very much like a riff on aliens, the uh, where, you know, they're going in to try and, you know, um, capture the this is even before they're trying to kill it. They're like just trying to capture it. How naive, how naive they are. Like Chris Pratt's (laughs) like, you guys are going in there with with actual lethal weapons. And I'm like. Mr. Ryan, he's like, we paid blah, 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 million dollars for this. We're not going to kill it. And it's like, you, oh, God. Yeah. Um, but that scene to me was like a, a potential for this list because there's just so many, like, bodies are just thrown left and right. And yeah. Just like in, like in the tree branches and just crunched. And like, that one to me is good because it's like pure mayhem. It wasn't quite enough to yeah. make this list, but, you know, because it's almost like, well, there's another scene kind of like this that I put on my list, but this scene, it's like, you know, we don't care about any of these people. So I, so mm-hmm. for me, it's like, it wasn't quite enough. Like, I think maybe that is another thing too, is like. What they mean to the plot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if it's just a bunch of people being crunched and like, it's like, okay, well, yeah, but these, but these folks are like, that's their job, you know? So I don't yeah. feel too bad for them, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of like that guy in the opening scene of the first movie is like that. I was thinking about putting that on my list too, but it's yeah, like. Yeah. Cause he's uh, getting yanked. Yeah. Then that's really like it really sets you up for you're like, whoa, this is a serious uh, movie. This is just the opening. We're going to get into some bloodshed soon. Yeah, that's um, a great point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Jesus, why am I? Why? I don't know why I was so like, I don't know if Jurassic Park's a horror movie. It's like literally the opening scene is like I yeah. get like ripped into a cage and like, yeah. I mean, got, like even that yanking would like that, that guy probably broke his spine, you know, in that moment, you know? <laughs> For real. I was thinking about that as I was rewatching some of these scenes where I was uh, able to put myself in the position of some of those characters. I'm like, God, this is lasting forever. And like how awful that would be to just have your arm crunched by a whole set of razor teeth and it's still right there growling at you. I mean, these deaths are traumatic. Yeah. And also, I'm saying I I think it's been pretty obvious, but we are not including any dinosaur deaths on this list because we love the dinosaurs. Yeah, more. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't enjoy Charlie getting blown up by the, by the rocket launcher in Jurassic World. You know, it's like no. And I was watching uh, the scene where in the in the Jurassic World where the boys are in the back of the ambulance and they're um, Bryce Dallas Howard is driving, Claire is driving the truck, and they're trying to keep the Raptors from jumping in the back of the truck. And I guess it's not an ambulance; it's just like a park vehicle. Yeah, yeah. And they use the um, electric cattle prod on one of them, and he just the dinosaur hits the ground and rolls. And I was just like, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> so dinosaur. No, it just it just feels like animal abuse. Yeah. So even though they're like coming after children, I'm like, eh, these kids I mean, didn't really earn my respect. Yeah. Well, I mean, truly the only like violent dinosaur moment where 
but again, it's like in the lot, like there's a great S article and I, I'll link to it, but I can't remember who wrote it, but how the lost world is Steven Spielberg's most like nihilistic movie. Oh, interesting. And, and it kind of made me like the movie more. Cause like, they're like, man, Steven Spielberg is one mean son of a bitch when he made lost world. Like <laughs> Kelly basically just impaled, like kicks a Raptor and he gets impaled on a spike and you see it suffering. Oh. And it's like, Oh, this isn't that. I, I know the Raptors were just trying to kill them a few seconds ago, but I, I kind of don't like that. I don't like that. I see uh, the Raptor uh-huh. like impaled. I mean, like, ee! you know, like, right. Because as we've talked about on past episodes of see Jurassic, right. It's just like they, this is not the dinosaurs fault. Like people brought these dinosaurs into this world where they don't belong. And what happens to the people is they're just desserts. Like <laughs> it's very difficult. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good pun of mine. You're right. <laughs> um, and so it's very difficult to watch them get murdered in such a terrible way because it's like they're just kind of doing what comes natural to them. And the pompousness of the people is what deserves to be punished. And we've get that i mean that's told beautiful or beautifully told in uh the last one fallen kingdom and i am excited to see if they keep going in that direction yeah well what is your because i I wanted to do a countdown style what is your what's your number five so your your least violent of these five most violent i guess right um this was really difficult But I think I'm going to go with Dr. Robert Burke getting dragged out of the cave by the T-Rex in The Lost World. Ooh, Yeah, I mean, that that is also like something, um, maybe another element of violence is maybe that kind of ironicness of like him being like scared of the snake. Yes. You know, which leads to his death. There's kind of like. Yeah, that like getting distracted, right? How like you have to have your game face on this whole time. (laughs) It's so it's kind of sad because you're like, oh, no, like there's a snake involved now. And you're like, yeah, they're in the jungle, of course. Well, yeah, it's there's almost like it's almost like a Coen Brothers thing. Like, like you you feel bad, you know, not necessarily because you care about this guy, but because you're like, it's almost like kind of which is funny because I didn't include um at least on my list, I didn't include Gennaro, the lawyer from the original Jurassic Park. But it's like, you're like, I don't feel necessarily like he's kind of like a chump, you know? And so, right. Yeah, Bert, I know. To me, is kind of like that, too. Right. He is a chump. And it's and his own like Coen Brothers is a great example just because it's like those characters. It's like their own foibles and inability <laughs> to really like follow through on their original idea that often gets them killed you know and it's like oh here's somebody that just like was set up for something they were not prepared for and then of course like this guy's not supposed to be in a cave right now so (laughs) and also the element i didn't think about this but that's a great pick because it's like he's a paleontologist originally Mm -hmm. so it's like there's another coen brothers kind of a more like sad pathetic element because it's like you know, this is a dude that's, you know, and even earlier in the film, he's like to to Sarah Harding, the other, you know, dinosaur, the other, um, you know, dinosaur expert. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I know better about all this stuff and like totally, you know, thinking that he knows better. And then so that makes it even more like, oh, uh, yeah. And that he can't even handle like, of course, that snake is 
that's a big snake. But it's just <laughs> interesting that like when the rubber hits the road, he's like not able. He like can't hang. And yeah. his like distraction with the snake. I mean, he looks so bummed at that point. Too. Like he's like, <laughs> this is not going how I imagined it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then and then what happens is the T-Rex drags him out, which is like, oh, no. And like that part's not necessarily violent. But then he crunches on him off screen, which like you hear some gruesome chewing noises and then they're behind they're in a cave behind a waterfall and then the waterfall turns red yeah and i think that that's such a chilling scene and like any movie that you know you know a lot of times these are shark movies when the water turns red it's just like oh the symbolism (laughs) of that what it means to see that is just like i think very uh very intense and it's gruesome to see something beautiful like a waterfall turn this like gory morbid murder fall you know (laughs) do you think let me ask you this do you think that another element of violence is if other people are watching this happen because i think having kelly watch yeah like having yeah having her see something like like the idea that if yeah you're being perceived while this violence is happening to you is almost more like more um like not upsetting. effective or anything. Yeah, more upsetting, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I effective's a good word. I think I think you're right because there that's a really great point because there are a lot of horror movies that you're like, this death is for me, the viewer. You know, especially slasher films where people tend to be alone and the intensity of the gore or the kill is like a hundred percent for the viewer. And it's interesting because if you think about scenes where you're watching somebody watch something happen. It usually does hit so much harder. It takes it away from being like a, whoa, that was a crazy kill to being like grounding it in reality and making it really a bummer. Ooh, yeah. No, I think I think we hit upon something here. Yeah. Like <laughs> watching somebody die is and that's a theme that I'll come back in my list. Um, oh, so, great. Well, yeah. What's what's your number five? My number five is Ken Wheatley, uh, uh, play, played by Ted Levine or Ted mm-hmm. Levine, Ted Levine um, in uh jurassic world fallen kingdom i think because it's like another element of violence i think is camp as well too and Mm -hmm. i think this scene is incredible it's one of my all-time favorite scenes in all of the movies it's and it's funny because it feels like ken wheatley is uh you know chaos has ensued at the mansion or the lockwood manor and the you know the ultimate killing machine is now like I feel like in the previous scene when the Stiggy when Siggy is like running amok and like all the people who are at the black are at the yeah I guess the black market auction or whatever oh, yeah. um, you almost feel like the Interraptor is like getting a boner like watching all this chaos around it because it is like born of like chaos and violence almost in a way yeah and um, so then Ken Wheatley comes in and it's like you know they establish earlier in the movie that he loves collecting animals' teeth and everything like. Mm-hmm. He literally is just, go- I mean, it's just He's the classic. Monster. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the classic, like, revenge thing of, like, here's the lion hunter and the lion eats the lion hunter scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's incredible. Yeah, because he's just such a sleaze bag, And he <laughs> thinks that the raptor, that the Indoraptor is out and he's going to sneak in there. And it's really just, I mean, I love this scene because it shows how clever this dinosaur is. Yeah. And we get, you're right, there's a moment of camp to it because we get kind of like a sneaky eyeball from the dinosaur, yeah, which yeah. is it's really funny, but I don't, it doesn't take me out of it. To me, it no. doesn't lessen the death anymore. It makes me, it's part of what I love about that whole movie is it's just like, go, dinos, go. <laughs> 
but it's still like I, I still like it's to me still effective as like a violent moment because oh, it's so violent because he gets know, his arm ripped off. Yeah, yeah, you know what's gonna happen, and I think you know. I think I'm trying to think in this movie as far as like the order of things. I feel like this is kind of like. I mean, there's there's more violent moments after this, but I think this is like the peak of the effectiveness mm-hmm. where it's like, I mean, this is the opposite of like a, somebody watching it. Literally, nobody's watching this moment, but it's just like the delight in like pulling someone's arm up with your teeth oh, and then just like and then swallowing it whole. It's so intense. Th- like it like, looks that's what I was talking about earlier when I was just like rewatching these scenes and, and being like, fuck, that would hurt so much like just the terror of it and like you hate him so it's great but it's also like i could just oh fuck the arms the bones in your arm just because he's also holding him at an unnatural angle yeah so it's like not only is he chomping on his arm it's probably pulling it out of his shoulder you know like it's probably breaking his collarbone yes oh and then he doesn't have an arm it rips the whole arm oh my god it's It's a a fucked up death i think well to yeah to me again this sort of cat and mouse thing that they do a lot in Jurassic Park. I think this one is done because also it's like, I love like as far, you know, because the cinematography is so good oh, and the, like beautiful. that initial moment when Wheatley steps over the Indoraptor and you have this really beautiful upshot with like the sort of like um like dentist office kind of lighting against this yes. black creature and then it's got this the gold stripe on it and he's like, well, you're a nice hot rod. It's yeah. like, <laughs> you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you know, like, I feel like it has some horror movie tropes of, like, you go in the door and the door closes behind you. Oh, like, it, yes, it, it's it's like it's almost like the perfect little short film almost, you know? Yeah. Like, don't go in there. Yeah. And and the hubris of man over animal, yeah. man over nature yeah. um, coming to a head. And that it's great. Something I also love about this scene. I had it as my number um, four. So I'm going to pick a new number four. But. Just to add to some of it is I really like you said cat and mouse. The Indoraptor really drags out the death, yeah. which I think is really effective as well, because after he rips off his arm, he has him backed up against the bars of the cage and then like just <laughs> pushes his face up against his face. And it has these really intense, huge, sharp teeth that he was just, you know, Ken Wheatley was just about to take, you know, he's like, oh, so yeah. he was like, I'm going to steal one of these teeth. And now these teeth are being pressed up, up against Ugh. his face as if to be like, you want these teeth now? And <laughs> that's and hilarious. It, it's amazing. Right. And then it screams in his face and like it blows his hat off and it makes his face all like pushed back. And this roar is just the roar is so violent and intense, which I think is cool. And then. You know, it goes in to eat him, which the camera pulls back from, so we don't see that. But, like, I mean, you can imagine how awful it is. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Um. So, yeah, great, great choice. <laughs> I'm going to change. Nice. I'm going to, I I picked twice as many because I knew we'd probably have some doubles. So, <laughs> um, did you want to say your new number four? Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to make my new number four. This is, this four and three are kind of hard. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Victor Hoskins because Ooh. in Jurassic World, because it's kind of a similar death to Ken Wheatley uh, and that it's another arm chomp. Oh, yeah. And this one is by uh, Velociraptors. And this one's great, too, because it also plays out for a while. And it's kind of this like really funny 
ironic moment as well. It's a very similar scene because it's like Vincent D'Onofrio plays Victor Hoskins is like explaining his... Like evil plan to Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard and the boys. <laughs> and like in doing so, a raptor like bursts in and comes after him and corners him. And <laughs> his whole thing is he says to the raptor, we're on the same side. <laughs> Which is like, so sad. Oh, seriously. And then tries to reason with him which i love because again it's this hubris that like i get it we're in this together <laughs> it's like i get nature <laughs> and i know how to run it and it's like nah dog you cannot control a raptor like and he puts his hand out like as if to say stop yeah and its face <laughs> up against its snout yeah to be like we're on the same side come on come on, come on. and there's this perfect like beat where like nothing happens and you're like, is he calming him down? And then the raptor just snarfs his arm right off. Like <laughs> it's snarfs. incredible. I love that so much. Well, <laughs> I was going to say too, I think that there's hubris, but I think there's also to me what makes, I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio, Vincent D'Onofrio, I think played that part really well where it's almost like he's playing it almost like as like a Reddit edgelord, like itself <laughs> where it's like, yes. you can tell like Hoskins on the weekends, like, just fucking uh, is just a misogynist asshole on like uh, yeah. Twitter to people, you know. Um, totally, he's and like, like <laughs> shut and he, up, dumb bitch. I like yeah. on every single blog. <laughs> exactly, like, um, yeah, he's getting in fights, you know, with like uh, <laughs> Vogue writers or something. I don't know, but like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but he's also like, I think he, like, he's kind of like a guy who acts like he got a lot of action in the military, but probably had a desk job because he sucked at his job. Yes, yes, like, exactly, and came back and lied about it. <laughs> yeah, so to me. That's a great pick because it's like it's 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 there's like a little patheticness of him where it's like, you know, getting taken out and it's like you don't feel sorry for him. Mm -mm. Uh, It's it's more of like, again, yeah, that hubris and you're in over your head. Yes. And then, then, yeah, even just yanking an arm like there's so much blood. Like, Uh so to me, it's almost like I could imagine Hoskins and I can't remember if it was I think it was Delta. That ripped it. That that was the Raptor Delta or Echo. I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember either. I mean, I only. I mean, Charlie and Blue are the most memorable. But right. Uh, um, but it's like you could imagine that like he like gets his arm ripped off and like Claire and Owen and the kid and uh, Zach and Gray. He's probably like he's probably like he was probably like still screaming and be like help me. And it's like right. they all have to like choose to walk away from him <laughs> as he's suffering as he's being eaten alive. Right. And you're just like. Oh, that's awful to think about. No, for real. And it's like kind of, you know, you're glad because this guy's a dick. But it's also like these are other human beings that don't want to see somebody ripped to shreds necessarily. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. That was a great choice. Thanks. What's your number four? So my number four is the crew of the SS Venture, which is oh. in, in the Lost World. I mean, there's that great line and it's become like a very hot topic as far as like the biggest mysteries or questions in the Jurassic Park movies. Mm. Cause yeah, the lost world, you know, the T-Rex and the baby are brought back to San mm-hmm. Diego and then the boat, um, the SS venture, you know, it's that great scene of like, you know, SS venture, this is in Jed Harbor master. Like, like, why aren't you slowing down? And it's that perfect kind of Spielbergian thing. And then um, <laughs> what's his face? The guy who plays Peter Ludlow, like walks out and then he sees the f- boat emerge from the fog 
and crash right. into it and everything. And then the all the security people go on the boat and they're like, oh, shit, the T-Rex got out. And then the one dude's like, where's the crew? Or like one person's like, where's the crew? Uh, and then uh, the other dude's like all over the place. And you just <laughs> see like a, you just see like. And the only thing that Spielberg really focuses on is the hand hanging from the the wheel from the uh-huh. boat boat Which wheel is that really like pulls back memories of Ray Arnold's arm in the first. Oh one. yeah, yeah. Is there another word for boat wheel? Steering wheel. Uh, steering wheel. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It seems like there should be some type of nautical term. No, wait. They're definitely. I don't know why I'm hung up on this right now. I said I just googled boat steering wheel. Uh, <laughs> Nope, I guess it is called a steering wheel. Yeah. Nope. Oh, well. It just says uh, it has that cool look to it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, as far as like the Jurassic Park mystery element, it's like people have always been like, well, how could a T, how could a giant T-Rex like just delicately rip someone's, <laughs> rip someone in a way that just their hand is left holding onto a wheel? Like, right. And, and, and I, in the scene too, I, I can't remember specifically if you can like, I feel like there's like implied, like out of focus, like you could see, but like the, or it's implied that there's like body parts like strewn all over the place. And so Mm -hmm. to me, along with the, this kind of more meta mystery of like people wondering, like, how did it happen to me? That feels like violent. Like that feels very violent to me. Like this, I like, yeah. Could you just jump off the boat into the water? Like if a T-Rex was like, so it's like the idea that this T-Rex is just like, like delicately like it's like a charcuterie plate crew you know like like ooh, i'll have a little bit of this human and a little bit of this human you know yeah, he like, like never finished anybody he just like chomped through them so that all of these body parts were left over that's yes. super violent yes that's why i thought that would be like a a good choice because it's just like what actually happened like the the what we know uh about like like literally what we see on screen sort of doesn't match up necessarily mm-hmm. and so i think to me that makes it all the scarier too yes i totally agree again going back to that like we see either the before or the after but not typically the during yeah. and how and it really boggles the mind too because you're like there's no one left on the ship like that's <laughs> crazy and it's really disturbing to think about a ship leaving a place filled with people and then arriving with nobody that's really scary that's very creepy yeah so that's a great a great horror uh idea great horror scene i think yeah um yeah people theorize that like maybe raptor snuck aboard too um Mm. because there has been some concept art of like that maybe that was an idea at some point but i don't think spielberg has confirmed either way so oh interesting just something to chew on fun mystery to to chew on to nibble on piece by piece (laughs) um what's your uh what's your number wait your number three number three okay uh (laughs) okay stark becoming torn apart like eaten by those tiny little um i might not say them correctly compasognathus oh yeah compasognathus yeah compasognathus can you say it again compasognathus 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 it's really hard to say (laughs) but the little tiny green dinos that take him down and start like biting his face and like biting his through his clothes and his arms and his legs and he i mean this one is so disturbing because this series is really built on big 
monsters. Yeah. And I thought that this was a really cool scene because we're seeing these little itty bitty guys that if you just saw one, you're like, cute. And you don't think about it's kind of just like how if you see a butterfly, you're like very beautiful. But then if you got covered <laughs> in butterflies, it would be a nightmare. <laughs> that that actually honestly, that sounds kind of like my worst nightmare, to be honest. Yeah, because it's like a lot of little things is pretty disturbing, uh, like little creatures because you're it's like when you look at a when you notice you're by an anthill. And then yeah. all of a sudden you see that the hill is moving and you're just like, oh, barf, like it's too <laughs> much. And so I love the idea that like, yes, one of these little dinosaurs is so cute. But then like together, they're a horde that's ripping the flesh off of your skin. Like, like piece by piece. Or the flesh off your skin. The flesh off <laughs> your bones. <laughs> my, my skin also has flesh. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah I'm double layered. <laughs> It goes oh, flesh, yeah, need, skin, bones. <laughs> I need to be with this. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, there there definitely is. And also, I think it's like interesting because it's set up with um, Camilla Bell, uh, Kathy Bowman getting attacked by them at the beginning of the movie. So it's oh, like, right. you kind, so you kind of already have like an idea. And then it's almost like it's like, OK, well, we didn't show it at all at the beginning of the movie. We just right. saw them. We saw the before. And mm-hmm. then right as they're about to attack, we cut. And now here it's like they like this is what happened. Yeah. So it's like you 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 are already it's already like an anxiety like floating around in the back of your head. Yeah, definitely. And I just oh, seeing them on his face like. Oh, the lip. It's all about yes, the lip. The lip. Oh, my God. That's so gross. And I'm just thinking about all the little claws and the little pitter patters of the Ugh. feet all over your body and like just little bites everywhere. Like. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. hate that. Just like being flayed, essentially, but by little tiny mouths. I mean, it must have, it must have taken forever. It must have been agonizing. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if in the film universe they ever state this outright, but like supposedly the bites from those are poisonous. Because <gasps> oh, like in the book, in the book, that's how Hammond dies. Because he like, um, oh. like Hammond, like you know, like stays behind or whatever, and like not stays behind, but he just before he like. He dies in the original book and he basically falls down a hill, breaks his leg, and then all the little compies like swarm him. Oh. Um, and so it's like that idea of like all those little bites slowly starting to poison oh. you and you start to yes. feel like sleepy and you can't fight them off. Oh. I don't I don't think the movie I feel like by having him like fall over the log and then like to me there's something very gleeful of like the way the compies are like like as they jump over the other side like ready to like dive into dinner you know yes yeah i I know they're kind of bouncy yeah that's the thing it's like it's cute and horrifying (laughs) at the same time um yeah what a way to go i i would rather be taken all in one bite makes the toilet death look ideal i know yeah because i mean truly it's like Gennaro when he gets killed it's like I mean, he might not have died right away because if he got bitten in the midsection. Right. That like, seems bad. Can you but... imagine like you're you've been bitten like in the middle and then oh. you look up and you're like the tongue is like bleh, like laugh, like. <laughs> but I feel like he pre- it probably like snapped his uh, neck immediately or something like that. Right. Exactly. Like there has to be. And like just the shock, like maybe there's an initial like extreme pain, but it's got to be over so quickly. Yeah. Well. So that ties directly into my um, number three, uh, 
number three, which is the death of Eddie Carr. Yes, I have him on my list, too, because how can you not? It's so insane. And it's truly like Spielberg one-upping Gennaro's death in the Lost World. It's like, okay, we you got chomped by one Rex. How about two Rexes fucking wishbone you? Oh, my God. It's so... I watched it like a couple of times, and I was just like, damn, this is really gross. And going back to like this element of suffering, not not just like physical suffering, like um, Dieter Stark's death, where, yeah, like there's that, you know, all the little bites accumulating. Mm-hmm. There's also this like mental anguish of like, this dude works so hard to rescue these people. He works so hard to try and get his gun out and it's <laughs> all for nothing. And I think that to me, why, like when I think about like violence and the context of like doing this list, it's like, I think there's like that element of like, man, he did a lot of work for nothing. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's just so, um, oh yeah. Like he just didn't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm going to assume if somebody is listening to this list, they, they can visualize all this stuff, but it's like also like the flair of like, I think it was, I can't remember if it was the male T-Rex handing him off to the female t-rex like was it mom or was it dad like i know (laughs) uh, but like one of them basically like flips like they basically like flip him like bottoms up you know Mm -hmm. and they're like oh you got the last one like okay let's split it you know like i know they're having fun Ugh. it's yeah he was like, like a nice character too it's it's i feel like modern film conventions like blockbuster film conventions have changed a little bit where it's like I don't think in a modern movie you would kill somebody that nice. Like if it was, um, like if it wasn't going back to the genre talk, it's like if, if it was like more of like a Lionsgate, you know, horror, like a saw movie, like everybody's fair game. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, in modern blockbusters, it's almost like you have to deserve it to die. But I think the, the earlier Jurassic Park movies did not play by those rules. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have another. I have something more to say about that, but it'll ruin my final pick. So, well, I um, think you and I have the same final pick. I, oh, I think great! I can well, then we could tell. like we could dive into that a little bit more in a minute. Dive into it, really? <laughs> wink, wink. Oh no, we do have the same one. Um, um, well, I'll get to my two because that was I had him as my number two. Oh, okay, and awesome. S- so I'll move another one up, who I originally did not. Didn't think I was going to talk about this one because I hate the character, but it's pretty violent. So uh, let's talk about Eli Mills' death in Fallen Kingdom. Speaking of uh, sharing or... (laughs) Yes. Yeah. This one is... Sharing is caring. This is so... He thinks he's escaping the dinosaurs because he's like uh, under the car. Yeah. Right? And then he gets snatched up by a T-Rex and he pins his leg on the ground the t-rex pins eli's leg down and then rips his leg off and it's so violent but again it's one of those that's actually i this is why i didn't originally have it on my final list because i was like well this i'm like psyched for this guy for this to happen but it's pretty brutal even so well yeah and i wonder too can violence be increased if you like I guess like the, yeah, like, like 
Because to me, I, I keep like to me, Eli Mills is like Ted Bundy. He's like the Ted Bundy yeah. of like Jurassic Park villains where he's like super charming. Yeah. And he's um, yeah, because he is a psycho, too. And then, yeah, he he does that thing that psychopaths or sociopaths do where it's like, I mean, it's such a great moment in the movie when he's like being nice to Macy and then he like loses it and then he has to sort of recompose himself. And like, that's mm-hmm. what those people do. It's like, yeah, you see that flicker of like total chaos behind their eyes that they've been trying to like tamp down. Yeah. And so I wonder, too, as far as like violence goes, it's like there's almost like a gleefulness of like not gleefulness, but sort of like. Ooh, that person is really getting what they deserve. I bet that really hurt kind of thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, so seeing that person finally who's gone through life thinking that they're invincible. And then mm-hmm. it's like and seeing- causing so much pain. Yeah. And so- like, yeah, it is. It does. It's dinosaur justice. <laughs> this week on Dino Justice. <laughs> That's a show I would watch for sure. You're just like letting um I mean, you know, that's the movie that we'll probably get in like 40 years, right? It's like letting murderers out in Jurassic Park. Like, ooh, yeah, it's like, it's like the purge, but at Jurassic Park. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking Saw meets Jurassic oh, yeah. Park. Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah. Both of those things, like you're like a prisoner's island, you know, that's oh, like yeah. just dinosaurs and murderers. <laughs> this this is when we're getting like Jurassic Park spinoffs and stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, where it's like the Indominus Rex versus Jigsaw or something oh, like, you know, Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Want to play a game? <laughs> Oh, he just ate that doll. <laughs> that was a five minute short, <laughs> not a feature. Um, but yeah, I really like, yeah, to me almost in a way, it's like, I mean, it's the opposite of Eddie Carr's death in that way, where it's like, exactly. we, it's, we feel bad for Eddie, like he didn't deserve it. It's still really brutal, though. Like it doesn't, it's exciting, but it doesn't make the violence any less violent. Yeah, it's it's a well, it's like this person who probably thought this was never going to happen to them. Yeah, that's a great point. That makes it all the more satisfying. Again, that's I just feel like <laughs> that's what's so great about all the villains deaths in this series is that all y'all thought you could control dinosaurs. But in the end, dinosaurs will rip you limb from limb. And that's very satisfying to finally watch it happen. Yeah, no, I agree. So that's your number two is Eli, right? Yes, yes. So what's your number two? So that takes me to my number two, much better transition, which is Dennis <laughs> Nedry. Uh, I had Dennis Nedry on my list, too. So I'm really, I was trying to decide between in this last one, should I do Dennis or Eli? So I'm so happy you went with Dennis. Oh, nice. And it's funny because I think if people haven't been noticing, but most of these deaths aren't from the original Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, that's true. So I had to find one. And well, I mean, that speaks to your point of these movies constantly having to one up each other in a sense, you know? Yeah, definitely. But I picked Nedry because this is a death. I mean, it's very unique um, mm-hmm. in the sense that like, and it's funny because, you know, and speaking of poison, but that, you know, the Compi's poison was not represented in the movies, but you have this Dilophosaurus Mm. And there's, you know, I I think what's cool about this scene as far as like knowing what's coming or knowing what's not coming is Nedry knows that this is a predator. You know, he, oh, you're not one of your big brothers. You're not so scary. So it's almost like he, he's like, he's like, oh, I know what's going on, but I don't really know what's going on. Exactly. The tininess again, right? Like, oh, if you're tiny, I don't have to be as scared of you. Yeah. And then 
then the hubris, like it, it's almost like Nedry's death encapsulates like all the kind of deaths in Jurassic Park, where it's like, mm-hmm. then there's this element where he's like, thinks he's, you know, like stick stupid, fetch the stick, you know, like he thinks he's got it under control. Oh, yeah. Like this is just a dog. Yeah. And like, and then he thinks like he's like the more like the other Jurassic Park villains where it's like the hubris. Mm-hmm. And then boom. And then the spit in the eyes. Oh. And it's like the and- acid, like actually listening to it, I think. I feel like one of the yeah, la- sizzles. Yeah, I was gonna say like one of the last times I watched it, you could just hear the like, like just literally like burning the flesh around his eyes off, you know. And he does such a great job. Like he's screaming, and you can tell he's in pain, and it's like insult to injury too because it's raining, right? And so he's like soaking wet, and he's like his car is stuck. It's like one thing after another, and it's good because we don't want him to get out with the dinosaur embryos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so it's like, well, you're happy he's. He's stuck, but it's just like, if you think of this situation, like, I hate being stuck in the rain. And then if, like, one other thing happened that sucked while I was in the rain, I would be totally, I'd give up. And this guy gets dinosaur, like, poison in his eye, and it's all black and goopy and, like, yeah. oh, and he's just trying to get into his car. And then it's in his car, which I think is one of the funniest moments in Jurassic Park, <laughs> even though it's also a very serious, like, death moment. But, like... When it pops up in his car, it's so delightful. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you left your dumb door open, you stupid. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of, again, the way Nedry's death, in, in a way, perfectly encapsulates all the kinds of kills in Jurassic Park. Like, there's that comedic patheticness, too, of like, mm-hmm. like he literally, like, gets spit in the face. He's, like, probably <laughs> almost blind or, you know, like, nearly blinded. Then he hits his head and he falls. <laughs> yeah. And then you literally hear the like, um, oh no, that happens earlier. Like, like Spielberg puts that little like, like the whistle, like, like when he falls, like it's like (laughs) insult to injury. But, but then yeah, he hits his head. Like so, he hurts himself even more. He hits his head, and then he loses the can of embryos. Mm -hmm. And then again, this like sort of suffering kind of waiting you get to see him think he's okay and he's sort of sitting there in pain like oh oh like yeah but i'm like, okay I have time to recover because i'm in the car the safe space and then he opens his eyes and <laughs> you know like <laughs> so perfect <laughs> so to me i think like because again it was like originally when i was thinking about this and making the list i was like oh i guess i'm not going gonna include anything from jurassic park because it's not like outright gory or anything like that but like there's a lot of like it's almost like a little story in a, in the way that Nedry gets killed. Oh yeah, the 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 way it drags on and and it makes you as the audience once he's in the car, you're like, okay, well at least he's in the car, even though we know we have seen you know them characters be in the car and not be safe. But there is like an element to a car being a safe spot in the all horror movies that like there's something between me and the predator, yeah. the killer. And the fact that it's like he you brought the killer in, like the dinosaur <laughs> is calling from inside yes. the truck like <laughs> Yes. Ugh. Uh and it's satisfying, but it's definitely it's scary and it's definitely like a rough long like prolonged violent death. Yeah. No, it's like you are you really feel like a, you know, speaking of feeling this, like you definitely are with like you're yeah like as much as you're rooting against him and stuff like that you you kind of you're positioned in a way that you are 
you kind of are with him the whole way, I think. Yeah, because it is just you and him. Like he's alone in the woods yeah, as this yeah. is happening. So it's just you and it's just him and the viewer. And two, I don't know if people can relate to this, but I am really sensitive about anything happening to eyes Ugh. in movies. And it's something I just can't do in a horror movie if it's like prolonged eye violence. And so just getting like dinosaur acid, uh, some kind of fucking black poison in your eyes, like that disgusts me. Like, it's just so gross. And it's like, I could just imagine how awful that feels. Well, and you were right about the stickiness, too. So it's not like it's just like wet, like water that you can right. or like any kind of more liquidy poison. It's like literally he like can't get it out of his eyes. Oh, yeah. And yes. Yeah. And it's a really cool, like goopy effect. Yeah. Like whatever they used for that is is really great. Yeah. Because it's I've seen it a dozen times, dozens of times, more than one dozen, probably eight dozen times. I love that scene and it just never loses its impact, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think it definitely deserves to be close to the top. Good choice. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But what what is our number one? I know. I feel like we should say it at the same time. Did we, but it's... did we? I don't think I said up top that you and I didn't tell each other what our lists are. No, we did not. So this I think is we like briefly discussed it, but then we decided not to. So, yeah, yeah I mean... It's especially since we haven't said it yet. It's obviously Claire's assistant Zara. Yes. Yep. Zara. Oh my god. Zara. Poor Zara. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, it's you know, it definitely was probably one of the most talked about elements of the original Jurassic World when it came out. Um, yeah, because it just didn't feel earned necessarily. Because like, what did Zara do wrong? She was Claire's. She was just like next to Claire helping her, essentially. Well, and yeah, this element. I mean, I think also at the time there was a like kind of a big talk about, um, you know, an element of misogyny. The you know this idea of just like this, you know, this stupid young woman, like just look at her fucking die. You know, like yes, yes. And to me, especially like our friends, you know, in our kind of age group, my biggest takeaway when I first saw it was, you know, because of the original Jurassic Park, it's like, haha, lawyers suck. Like we all like we all don't like lawyers. But it's like mm-hmm. I was like, do the people who made Jurassic World do they do they think we all hate our assistants? Like we are the assistants, yeah, business women. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like, we I are know. we are Zara. So it's like we're gonna relate to her more than the idea of like, oh, my assistant lost my my nieces and nephews and they got eaten. Like it feels like 
enjoying her death at least initially on this level for me felt like like well i don't have complaints against my assistant that i apparently have which i don't have um but you know right. what I mean? Like, but no, we we both have worked as assistants yes. and like we assist people yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. And so the idea that like the person next to you with the phone trying to keep you updated, trying to get you messages like that's assistants are the hardest working people in, yes. the, you know, industries. And so that was just like such a bummer. And like also because, uh, yeah, this is Jurassic World did face a lot of um I think appropriate backlash for it's maybe, you know, I don't think the misogyny was on purpose, but I think it really sort of showed the hand of the people at the wheel because it's just had a lot of like, oh, business women. Am I right? Well, vibes about it. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, I feel like Colin Trevorrow has actively tried to sort of make up for that in a way. I think he was I mean, maybe I'm just being naive, but he. I think he seemed pretty like oh no, what did I do like about it? Um, <laughs> right, which I think is really interesting because that's like an opportunity to examine the ways in which we all internalize misogyny, even if you don't feel that way. Because when you're making a film, you have to think about like, what tropes am I engaging yes. in right now? What am I being indulgent about right now? Where did, why, what am I saying about this character that they're dying? And people don't always want to do that, but like you have to know what's going on you're not always aware of what's going on in your brain, you know, <laughs> and it comes out in these weird ways in movies. Yeah. And um, no, that's such a great point. And, it, you know, the idea that you are part of a larger conversation, you are mm-hmm. making a movie in a genre. And I think mm-hmm. it's funny because I feel like maybe Colin ha- has either backpedaled from this or sort of been like, oh, maybe that wasn't my the right way to think about this in a sense, because I think he was coming from the Eddie Carr perspective where it's like, oh, the earlier Jurassic Park movies, you know, everybody Everybody was up for grabs, but that wasn't necessarily Mm. true. I mean, we wanted the lawyer to die because Spielberg made it in such a way that we like that we kind of rooted for like that. We wanted that to happen. Mm -hmm. It wasn't random, you know, so I think that perspective of his originally was a little naive. Right. And then, like, you know, one of the deaths that's really sad in the first one is Ray Arnold because he's an incredible character and also the only person of color. So, like, that part is really devastating. But. The important thing is they don't show him being chewed up. They just show his arm. They show like the after effect. So there's less gleefulness. Like when you're watching somebody get eaten and killed, there's like an element of glee as we've talked about. Movies, a lot yeah. of them have been villains. Yeah. In these movies. And what's interesting about Zara's death is it's not just like a lot of the deaths. And this is, you know, when the melee is happening in the park and things are going wrong for the first time and we see so much carnage at once um but zara's is dragged out she's like she's grabbed by a pteranodon and she's tossed around (laughs) between three of them similar to the wishbone of uh eddie carr's experience but these are they're just playing with her and then they drop her she falls into the water tank she's fished out again and then finally the Mosasaurus, which is one of my favorite dinosaurs in the whole series, because it's huge, so that's like really fun. But the Mosasaurus like comes out of the water, eats the Pteranodon and Zara at the same time, and it's we have no reason to believe that she wasn't alive during that entire experience. Oh, yeah. And it goes on for like two minutes. Well, and also I wonder too, because 
when the Mosasaur comes up and sw- like it basically swallows her whole because it bites the Pteranodon. So it's almost like right. she's like, I'm, I'm trying to do a diagram in my hand. You can't, you can't, nobody can see this right now, but it's like, <laughs> it's almost like it goes over her to chomp on the Pteranodon. So then she's going to be digested alive, basically. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And like she's screaming the entire time, too. So it's like that's something we don't see in a lot of the movies is like, you know, maybe every now and then you get like a yell when when the dinosaur is coming at them or like right before they get chomped. There's like a yeah. But like she you're just listening to her scream the entire time she's being tossed around between these dinosaurs. And then the camera follows her like deep fall in the water and like. Oh, my God. The whole thing is just really intense and so violent. And you're like, wait, what did she do? Why do we have to watch this prolonged death scene? Even though, like, it was a a villain. I mean, it would have been satisfying because it's it's a cool scene and you get a lot of great dinosaur effects in it. But it's just kind of a a bummer. And I definitely think it's the most violent scene in the whole series. Yeah, I think even combined with the callousness of, like, the boys being shocked and then they're kind of like, well. That was it. You know, like they don't really care. It's almost more for like, it's almost like it's for the viewer. That death is just meant to traumatize in a way. Um, Yes. Yes. I was going to say too, like, you know, this naivete of being like, well, anybody can get it. But it's also like, you're right, though, like of it being drawn out because it's like Zara, like maybe had like two, like her. She had more screen time dying than she did anything else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's not that I'm against her character getting killed by the dinosaurs because characters do have that has to happen. But it's just like the choice to have that happen to that character. I mean, you could have picked any random park attendant at that point, you know? Well, so I guess for me, since then, I've like, okay, well, how do how can I enjoy this more on like a level of camp or something, you know, like. Because mm-hmm. like you're saying, there is something that's kind of like cool about like the dinosaur action, the way that like it's happening and all the chaos. Like I've Yeah, and like the turducken of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the the Mosasaurus eating the pteranodon eating her. Um, have I sent you did I send you there's um fan art of the pteranodon, Zara and the Indominus Rex all playing cards in the Mosasaurus's belly? <laughs> no, that sounds really cute. I like that. Justice for Zara. Well, I feel like I feel like since then there's been a lot of fan art of Zara. Like I love looking at Jurassic World fan art of like smaller characters and stuff and uh mm-hmm. like my friend Courtney who plays the Mosasaurus announcer in Jurassic World. Like there's like a there's like a community that has like rallied around Zara and I think that's made me like really like her a lot as like a as a character because it's like yeah, you're right. Like justice for Zara. Like there's this one where she's like floating in the tank and like she's just kissing the Mosasaurus on the nose. Like, boop, you uh, know, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. Like a reimagining. Yeah, there's a comic, like a comic, like almost like the cover of a comic book series, which is like worst job ever. And it's like shows Claire <laughs> being like, my assistant will do it. And then Zara's like, what? And she like looks at a T-Rex with an upset stomach. Like she has to go in there and like fish out the like. You know, like the the lion and the paw with the thorn kind of thing. Like, right. <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of people have rallied behind her. Yeah, the assistants of the world yes, are yeah, like, yeah. "Hey, uh, I know. Why do you think that your audience relates to this very rich woman like leading the park? Like, Claire is not a relatable character until the second yeah. uh, Jurassic World. 
I think all the stuff that I feel about it still holds true. But then there's this also this element of like, you know what it was too? It was watching the behind the scenes where Katie McGrath, mm. the the author, the actor who played, uh, I guess she's also the author of the role. You could say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, where Katie McGrath, like you, it shows how they did the scene and it shows how like, you know, she talks about like, just like, you know, because she's like British and she's like, you know, oh, I get eaten today and like showing her because she did all of her own stunts and everything. And so, oh, cool. and so I think for me, like I've gained a sort of like, well, there's a level of camp here that I like get almost like over the topness that I kind of enjoy about it in a sense. Like so that's right. not just that a bummer sense. every time I watch it. No, definitely. And I mean, it is. I think the more you watch it, the more it's funny. Uh, yeah. For sure, because it is just like a rag doll being tossed through the air. Um, yeah, I think it's important to watch it. Like, definitely, you know, nothing I'm saying is to take any joy out of just like the overall experience. But I think it's important that you can anything that's good is worth being critical about. And for me, it's fun to um, and I don't mean critical like to be mean, but a critical analysis yeah. of films is really important to me. And that's honestly how that's part of what I enjoy about watching films is talking about them critically and picking them apart and looking at them through a feminist lens. And so I do that, you know, with love for the series. And oftentimes, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that I watch that I'm like, oh, man, oof, the treatment of these female characters <laughs> or the gay characters, the people of color, like, come on. And then there's like that element of it and then you can recognize that and then you can also still enjoy it we're not the ones who made these decisions you know yeah. <laughs> we don't have well, to atone for anything you know that's a really great point that's why that's why you're one of my favorite friends ever oh thank you number one now we're listing our number one friends <laughs> yeah Luce. um but like it's you know but I, I mean i feel like that's why it's so fun to talk to you about this stuff because it's like yeah we can that's kind of the opinion how i, I mean i really just kind of arriving at this idea where it's like I don't necessarily, I think at some point, you know, I probably, because for me, like sometimes if I like something, it's like, you don't want to feel like you're making excuses for the terrible things. Right. I guess the conception is it's like, I don't need to like make excuses for the filmmakers about Zara's death. I, I can, my initial reactions of like, wow, this is very <laughs> intense kind of assistant women hating thing. Yeah. Like, what is this choice? <laughs> and then now enjoying this sort of, meta response of everyone coming to love this actor come or coming to mm -hmm. love this character coming to love this actor seeing the actor enjoying the process of doing this scene those things have now mm -hmm. come like those things exist for me as well as those other thoughts and like i don't have to reconcile it i can just exactly. be like well that's what that's what this is it's it, because it's nuanced it's a uh, multi-level yeah. i think of it as kind of like that meme with the brains and like the glowing oh, yeah. brains. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like when you like first you're watching a movie and you're like, I love movies. And then you, you know, maybe study critical film theory or uh, you read some articles, you know, and about reading things through a feminist lens. And then you're like, oh, no, all the movies I love are really misogynist. And then the next level is being like. Well, now I know about everybody involved in the in the how the movie was made and what choices yeah. and how this was maybe based on this and this person did this. And then you're like, okay, these aspects don't work. These aspects do work. And then then you learn about how all of society is misogynist and like none yeah. of us are free. We're all steeped in hate and we're all we can do is like try to recognize it. And once we recognize it, we call it what it is. Then we can be like, but here are the elements and the things that I like about it. 
It's like a greater understanding. And the only problem is when you refuse to acknowledge that something yeah. is problematic, because then you're just like, why are you fighting for this movie that you weren't involved in making? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you choosing to die about? on these hills? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't think it's I also don't think that people need to feel like them liking something is a big indicator of who they are as people like unless you're somebody who's you're like the only person i like is my god joe rogan i'm not going <laughs> to like judge you for your for your taste <laughs> no totally but um you know we all like a ton of different things and the jurassic series i mean is helmed by so many different people with like different intentions and i think at the end of it it's people who like want to tell this story of this man versus nature story that for me never stops being interesting so some people have done it more successfully than others and i think that they all are fun and not fun for various reasons <laughs> <laughs> well i i think also like to put another example you know the claire heels thing oh god yeah that you can twist that around five different ways <laughs> well and you know one element i think that came out pretty early was that like well that was bryce dallas howard's choice which is like great that's awesome yeah but i still think the discussions were worth having exactly yes that's the thing it's like there's no reason that to, to shut down the discussions over it because for there's the women can't run in heels why are you putting us in heels argument that's totally valid and then there's the like Okay, what about all the women who are working in heels? Like, what happens to them? Because previously in horror movies, they just get killed immediately because they're too sexy, right? So now we're at a point where we're seeing yeah. people in heels working, and it's like, a lot of women are really good at moving in heels in a way that I am not. And what happens if these women are thrown into peril? Do they have to die immediately? No. What if they're badasses and they're action heroes in heels? Like, when we start nitpicking how realistic something is in a movie that is not realistic to begin with, then again, you're like, well, where is this argument coming from? Is this not based in some element of misogyny that like women who are really femme shouldn't get to survive? Like, yeah. So it's like every argument, there's more nuance to it. And a lot of times, as long as it's coming from a place of curiosity is like valid. And I think it is important to ask where like, where is this coming from? And like, what was Bryce Dallas Howard's choice? And did it work? Maybe it didn't, but yeah. it needs to be taken into consideration. That's my mini film lecture. <laughs> no, no, this is this is where I hoped we'd end up, to be honest. But um, I mean, that's what happens when you make oh, Zara's death number one on the list. But also, it's like yeah. I could I could be still sort of slightly bummed out about Zara, but but totally be fine with the heels thing too. So it's like you know, like you know, mm -hmm. there's inconsistencies across the board in that way. But it's okay, I think. Yeah, honestly, the heels thing didn't hit me until I read about it later, because I remember just being like, man, it's so cool to see somebody dressed like she is still kicking ass, because as somebody who grew up very femme and like I, um, you know, love playing with and accentuating it to almost a disarming and uncomfortable degree with my like, hair and makeup and, and outfit choices <laughs> that like you never get to see really feminine, over the top women be anything but victims or, you know, just the the sex appeal yeah. that, again, usually turns up into victims. And it's like, oh, I guess unless I'm really butching it up, I don't get to survive in a horror movie. So I found an element of the way that she looked the whole time to be kind of exciting because it's like, yeah, we some people are don't dress like, uh, you know, in jeans boys, and yeah, tank tops all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This has been so much fun. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I 
there's just so much. This is what I love about Sea Jurassic, right? Is there's so mm. much to dive into and explore about this series. And I am always recommending the Jurassic series as horror movies. And I think they're a really great gateway for younger people to get into monster films, you know, uh, animal attack movies. And so I really, you know, if you have a younger person in your life that you're trying to get into horror movies, throw on a Jurassic movie. I think it's a great way to get Again, them involved in the genre. I hope everyone is having a good Halloween uh, let me know what your favorite, most violent moments are. Again, we we can revisit scary, gory. Which drastic movies are the most horror to you? Yeah, let us know. I want to. I want to hear. Luce, where can they find you? Um, everybody can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LTB Comedy, uh, and you can find it's always Halloween on all the podcast networks, including NPR One app, mm. which is very cool. So we recently got picked up with NPR, uh, which is exciting. And then if you like hearing me talk about movies, I also have a movie podcast called You Need to See This about underappreciated gems. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, as always, listen to listen to Cedra. I guess that's what you're doing right now. Um, rate, review, all that good Keep stuff. Keep listening. On Never stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the dream alive. I beg you. <laughs> Just like knocking over <laughs> one of my toys or something. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's perfect for this one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.